It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary... What's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. So that's Monday, October 2nd, 2023. Coming up on Roller Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. The black police chief in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, is pressured to resign after calling out several council members during last week's Brutal, brutal uh, meeting, folks. Folks, it was stunning. And this was a police chief who was trying to stop police corruption. Activist Gary Chambers is going to be with uh, be with us. When did we show you the back and forth when you had a black police chief doing the right thing? An Oklahoma tribal judge rules in favor of citizenship for descendants of the Creek slaves. Civil rights attorney uh, and founder of Justice for Greenwood, Demario Solomon Simmons, will join us to tell us about this historic ruling. The government shutdown has been averted. <laughs> Republicans, though, uh, are still crazed about it. And Speaker Kevin McCarthy, how do you criticize Democrats who saved your ass? California has a new black United States senator after Governor Gavin Newsom picked replacement for the late Senator Dianne Feinstein will tell, exact, tell you exactly who she is. And the real estate fraud trial for Donald Trump begins today. Boy, he went after Tish James, the New York State Attorney General. Y'all know she had no problem smacking him back. Also, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And we'll talk to the CEO and co-founder of Touch the Black Breast Cancer Alliance about why black women must advocate for themselves. It is time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Let's go. He's got whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. You might recall we had the attorney 
uh, out of Louisiana who was talking about uh, the, brutal, the, the brutal treatment of uh, inmates there at a facility in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It sparked a significant controversy there. Uh, the, the mayor demanded changes, and the black police chief of Baton Rouge, well, he agreed. He actually fired a number of officers. Several others actually resigned. Yet, why has this police chief been pressured to resign by largely white city council members? Folks, we're going to show you the video from the council meeting. And if you want to see a police chief who did not mince any words, watch this. With all due respect, Chief Paul, you've, I think, seven years you've been with us. Seven, six, seven years you've been with us. I appreciate the fact of finding the bad actors in this department and everything else. And we talk about trust in the police department and everything. But the buck stops with you. We all know that. You've said that before and so on. And I want these people that perpetrated this and, and that took people to that place and assaulted these people or whatever that happened or claimed to happen and everything else. But it's a stain on East Baton Rouge Parish. It's a stain on the city of Baton Rouge. It's a stain on the, the police department. And everyone has to be held accountable. And I, I can't imagine whether it's you and it's been going on for a long time, previous police chiefs and so on, that wouldn't know about this, that wouldn't know anything or, or had complaints before or enough complaints. Several people stood up here and said that they've complained about it. They said something about it. They brought it to people's attention. And yet nothing was done until some investigator or however it got out found out. And with all due respect to your position, police chief, I think, and I would ask that you step back for a while from your position. I know you're fixing to leave, but I think it all has to be held accountable. Everyone. To put trust back in the community, everyone has to be held accountable until the investigation is going through. Again, like I said, even former police chiefs, as far as this investigation goes with the FBI. I don't know how we can show the public that we're truly investigating internally or whatever else. When you say you're sitting here, didn't know anything about it, or you said before you didn't know anything about it, or it hasn't acted on something previously that happened. That's just my feeling. That's your word. That's a lie. Hey, 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 Chief. Chief, Chief, I'm going to let you come to the mic, though. I'm gonna let you come to the mic. No, I'm not. Chief. I'm not. I'm not blaming. Look, look. I want to get the. I want to get this straight. I am not blaming Chief Paul. I ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm gonna let Chief Paul come to the mic and respond. I'm gonna let Chief Paul come to the mic and respond. No, no, no. We officers. We don't want to arrest anybody. Hey, 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 Gary, if you let me do my job, I'm going to do my job. Gentlemen, we don't want to arrest anybody. Don't. Nobody asked him to leave. What is his name? 
Yeah. Mayor Pro Tem, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Chamber. Gary, Gary, you can't take over the meeting. I, no, I can't so, Gary, you can't take over the meeting. So relax, please. You're in the meeting. You've been allowed to speak. So relax, please, sir. I know, I know, but we're gonna keep going. Go ahead, Councilmember Moat. If I came off accusing you directly of not specifically doing anything, whatever, what I'm saying is with the investigation going on, for the transparency of the whole department, you're the top police chief. Would it not behoove us to step back, let you step back, and I know you've contacted the FBI, and the FBI has been there, to make it more transparent is what I'm trying to say. Uh, Mr. Chambers, I apologize if it came off. Yes, sir. I want, I want this matter resolved and I want the place shut down and I want everything, I know it's been shut down, I want it gone. And I want all of this resolved. But we can't accept the fact of where everything, the buck starts and stops. So let's talk bucks. I've been quiet for four and a half, I haven't been here seven years. I'm sorry, Mayor President, but I'm gonna speak my heart on this one. Cause let's talk about processes. Let me, let me count. Fourteen police officers were terminated. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight resigned under investigation. And then there's appeals. And you know what you do? You strip my funding. Yeah. Are you going to pay the attorney all the money that I already owe them for the bad cops that the civil service board, where we're going to be here tomorrow, and none of y'all going to be here. And y'all sitting here trying to deal off these people's emotions, and some of y'all the problem. Jen Rocker, you sit there, defund, defund the police department's budget from a legal standpoint, and then come here because I don't have legal representation, and I got to play lawyer to fight these bad actors. Let's talk facts. Let's talk facts. And then what you do? Then you go and you appoint people to the civil service board that have direct ties to the union. There are five people on the civil service board. What's wrong with good law-abiding citizens? You putting people on the civil service board with direct to the ties to the union and wonder why they reverse the decisions that I make. I've been quiet, but I'm not going to be quiet no more. Where were you when they called my kids gangbangers? Where were you? You know about the pictures when they called my black boys gangbangers and I prayed for them. When the former chiefs of police sit down and share pictures of me and my girlfriend and I prayed for them. Where were you, Mocha? When they went to Texas, to the camp, and called me a nigga because I was trying to bring reform in this police department. Where were you then speaking up for them? Don't sit here and play like you don't know about this group of body that try to force the mayor to sit there and fire me for lies and say I only discipline white folks, which is a lie. Don't pretend like you don't know that. Don't pretend like you don't know that. Talk about my little black kids and I prayed for y'all. 
I prayed for them. And you sit here like you different, like you're not in cahoots. Because I'm going to tell you what they said. They got six of y'all in their pocket. Facts. Six of y'all in their pocket. That's what the union said. The same union tomorrow. When we have a hearing right here before this body where I said that the search and seizures were improper and illegal. How many of y'all are going to be here tomorrow? When the attorneys fight and say I should not have disciplined that office. I've been quiet for five and a half years. But after November the 8th, I'm not going to be quiet no more. I've been praying for y'all. You think I don't know about the backdoor meetings y'all have with these people and you sit here like you some... Come on now. Thank you, Chief. Woo! Joining us right now is activist Gary Chambers. Gary, glad to have you uh, on the show. Uh, it is rare to see a police chief who is an employee of the city go off on his employers like that brother did in this video. Clearly, uh, he is fed up. Uh, no audio, Gary. I think you're on mute. Thank you, Roland, for highlighting this conversation that's happening in Baton Rouge. Uh, Chief Murphy Paul is a courageous leader, and what he did last week, uh, I think, is the accumulation of frustration from years of serving over a police department that uh, is rogue in many ways that he's been trying to clean up. He has fired 14 officers. Eight officers have resigned in lieu of termination, and I can't count how many have retired uh, as a result of his leadership. Uh, we were pushing last week to make sure that the chief did the job that he's doing right now. Uh, we felt that he needed to be more swift on uh, acting on this issue. But, you know, he is the police. And I want to remind people uh, that Murphy Paul and I have had our share of tussles around uh, police accountability. But what you see is a black leader who is attempting to do the right thing. And I believe when you have a leader that is doing the right thing, that it is on us to stand up with him. You've got council members like Jen Rocker and Aaron Moak here in Baton Rouge uh, who want him to resign. Here's the deal, Roland. He's already announced that he's retiring November the 8th. And so then to ask him to resign at a council meeting was adding insult to injury. And I don't sit silent while black leaders are disrespected by white folks uh, who have no courage to do the right thing. Jen Rocker, who was making those comments when the Alton Sterling lawsuit was there, she didn't vote to settle it, but she wanted to have optics at a council meeting uh, on the chief as if she's on the side of justice because she wants to be a judge. And, and so with this national platform you're providing, Roland, you're allowing uh, the things that are taking place in Baton Rouge to be exposed to the rest of the nation. And it's high time because everybody knows we got Boosie and you see the chief set it off. So, so okay. <laughs> what I'm... What just jumps out at me, you have the police chief, uh, Chief Paul, who literally says, why are you defunding the legal department? So when he says, I don't have any attorneys representing me here, what is he talking about? So the chief has, every time he sends a person for termination, they have to go before the civil service board here in Baton Rouge. Uh, the chief has legal representation that goes to those meetings with him to help him uh, get success on behalf of the citizens to get rid of these rogue police officers. People like Jen Rocker, who is an attorney in the city of Baton Rouge, uh, Aaron Moak, who's a council member, voted to end his funding or not to approve his funding for his lawyers. So when he goes before this civil service board, which was previously stacked by union representation, he doesn't even have legal representation that understands the law at a depth deeper than him to fight okay. to ensure these wait, officers don't get back on. Wait, wait, I'm confused. 
So the council member sits there and says, I want this shut down. I want these people gone. I want these things handled. Yet when the chief fires these rogue officers, then the city is not sending a lawyer to the hearing to argue the city's case as to why the chief is firing them? They would rather use a city attorney rather than hire competent counsel that has uh, expertise, a subject matter expert on these deals. Um, and that is, in any other city, this would be laughable that Republicans would be voting against funding for a police chief, right? But you have Republicans in the city of Baton Rouge who are voting against funding for a police chief because he's black. Let's just tell the truth, because when Carl Daberty was the chief of police and Alton Sterling was killed, uh, many of these people were silent within our community, but now they want to talk about justice. And um, remind you, and remember, Roland, the officers involved, the picture of the main officer is black, so the cop that they want fired is a black cop, too. Let's see if they're white cops that are doing the same thing and they have the same tone. Um, the chief also talks about this review board that says these individuals have direct ties to the union. That's not the kind of folks you want on such a commission. You want folks who are impartial. Well, not our Baton Rouge City Council. See, Roland, Baton Rouge is a majority black city with a majority white city council. And so because of this, we have had manipulation and uh, really uh, horrible tactics that have been used to pursue uh, a lack of equity. Aaron Mokes, a new council member who's running for state representative. Uh, and you had Councilwoman Chana Banks, who's also running for state representative, call out Jen Rocky at that meeting repeatedly. And we need leaders like Chana Banks and Cleve Dunn because they are pushing the envelope to ensure that equity exists on that council. We wouldn't even have had this issue brought to the council if it wasn't for Councilman Dunn. Wow. Uh, Gary, hold tight one second. I gotta go to a break. We come back. We're gonna, we're gonna continue this conversation. I bring my panel in as well. Folks, we're talking about, uh, again, this brave cave in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, where folks allege that individuals arrested are literally uh, beaten, assaulted, uh, and a black police chief is trying to fix the problem, yet he's fighting his own city council. Could it be because he's a brother. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Shutter Network. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a and b with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-334-Q for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. It's The Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela Yee is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> 
That's not how it goes. That's not how anything goes. Envy's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 1067 The Beat. Columbus is real hip hop and R&B. Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene, a white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. As an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol, we're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. On the next Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, we talk about the principles of mindset, strategy, and execution. This week, we're adding a fourth, faith. You're going to hear from a mother and daughter duel who are helping thousands of Black women build wealth all through their faith. You are more than you can ever imagine. Not just obtaining things to show that, but seeing yourself. Making your faith work for you, that's right here on Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network. Farquhar, executive producer of Proud Family. Bruce Smith, creator and executive producer of The Proud Family, Louder and Prouder. You're watching Roland Martin. Welcome back to Roland Martin Unfiltered. We're talking to Baton Rouge activist Gary Chambers about what's going on in that city when it comes to this brave cave uh, that a number of people uh, have been made clear that they want shut down because of the actions of police there. Uh, Gary, um, so they're pressuring the chief to resign, um, but has he resisted so far? Well, there was a rally this morning to support him uh, where religious leaders and political leaders came uh, and stood with the chief. The mayor stood with the chief. The mayor has uh, indicated that uh, Mayor Sharon Weston Broom has indicated that the chief is not going to resign uh, prior to his November 8th retirement, uh, that she is standing with him to stay in his position until that time. Uh, but there are leaders within this community who don't even want at that point, uh, because they believe that he is the only chance that we have uh, at justice and equity. And let me be clear, Roland, 
Uh, he was not a Baton Rouge police officer when he was hired into this. He's former state police, and that's why many people in the community wanted him to be the chief of police, because he doesn't have the ties or the historical ties, 30 years of serving with the, the members of the Baton Rouge Police Department. I'm still trying to understand, and, and, and you and I have talked about these kind of things beforehand, I'm, I'm still trying uh, to understand... How you got majority black city and you have majority white council? You, you know, redistricting, brother. Uh, we are fighting that battle right now. Uh, we have uh, a majority black city. We have two seats that we could flip, but there's not an investment. If you pay attention right now, we have a Louisiana governor's race happening right now in Louisiana. How much is the National Democratic Party investing in a black man named Sean Wilson running statewide who has a chance to stop a radical Republican from winning? Uh, but on the local level, we have uh, people who are pushing for us to get fair match. We have an 89% minority school district that has a majority white school board, right? When you process that, that is... It, it is taxation without representation, literally. It is it is having representation that does not meet up to the community that they represent. Um, you talked about today's rally. The mayor, Sharon Broom, was at that rally, correct? She was. Uh, and I, I was... Uh, and so, uh, someone who was attending that, folks, uh, go to my iPad. Uh, Here's just some of what she said today uh, at that rally. He is esteemed by his colleagues from coast to coast. And it's not just because of his name, it's because of his leadership. As mayor president, I've had the opportunity to appoint a number of people to leadership positions. I unequivocally say that one of my best hires was Murphy Paul. behind that. We live in some perilous times. I have said from the beginning of this year that we are red stick rising. What you see behind me, around me, out here is red stick rising. What you heard from Chief Paul is we are no longer satisfied with just letting things go by. All right, Gary, um, what happens next? Obviously, uh, federal authorities are looking into this police department. Uh, is this chief going to tough it out uh, until... Look, we're going to talk about, a, what, a month left, right, before uh, he officially retires. I think that Mayor Broom uh, is going to stand with Chief Paul because the people are standing with Chief Paul. Otherwise, I believe she would have asked him to apologize to the white members of the council. Uh, but I really believe that he's going to be there. I believe that uh, what he's doing right now, how often does a chief of police call the feds in on his police department? We're going to find out a whole lot of things in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, and I would really like Murphy Paul to help stay at the head of this investigation because he's got the integrity and he's proven to us already he'll deal with bad cops. Uh, like I told you, we've had our tussles and, and pushed the issue, but when he finds out a cop has done the wrong thing, he does hold them accountable. And that's all we can ask for. Well, and that's one of the things that we have not seen in a whole bunch of police departments across this country. And we also are talking about Louisiana, uh, where they had, uh, of course, uh, the uh, massive, massive cover-up uh, in the state 
uh, patrol officer as well. I want to bring in my panel, Dr. Julian Malvo. She is an economist and author uh, based out of D.C. Dr. Amakongo Dabinga, senior professorial lecturer, School of International Service, American University out of D.C. Renita Shannon, former Georgia State Representative out of Atlanta. Glad to have three of uh, you here. Um, you know, what really jumps out here, uh, Julian, when you look at this city, when we talk about how do we deal with uh, bad cops, corrupt cop, cops, abusive cops, here's a police chief who's also trying to save these same city council members a lot of damn money because a lot of these cities uh, have to pay out massive lawsuits, uh, massive payouts because of lawsuits due to police violence. Absolutely, Roland, and that we see this time and time and time again. My question, of course, a police chief has said he's resigning or retiring, and so that's that. These crazy uh, people on the council want him to uh, step back sooner, which is wrong. But I'd like to ask your guests, what's next? He retires when he does. Who's next up? What? How does anything change? He's been a stalwart. He's been like had his hand, you know, his finger in the dike. But what happens when he does leave? Who's next? So, so Mayor Broom is uh, set to appoint a new chief of police at some point in November or an interim chief. Uh, but she has a list of candidates that most people in the community are now questioning because a lot of them are Baton Rouge police officers. And with a federal investigation, many of us don't know whether or not any of these officers are, are involved. If the chief just arrested the deputy chief, one of the deputy chiefs within the department, <laughs> I'm not sure we trust many of the people that are within the department, and there are very few people on that list uh, that are from outside the Baton Rouge Police Department. And so I would hope that Mayor Broom scraps that list uh, and starts over, even though that may be a belabored process. Uh, we, the voters, are the people of this community. Uh, for the most part, I have heard a single person that trusts anybody on that list. I'm a Congo. Well, one of the questions I have for you, Mr. Chambers, is has this issue, has it really energized the, the community there as it relates to their electoral output? Because when you talk about these city councilors not you know, being part of the community, when you talk about the school board in one of the communities as well, and people not being able to, to galvanize, one of the things you also I, concerned me was how he talked about backdoor meetings with the unions. Uh, with the, and so it feels like the members, some members of the council have a different plan for our communities as and is this situation with Chief Paul, is it waking up the community to really get out there and take control from an electoral and election standpoint as we go into 2024? Well, I've been in this fight for long enough to recognize that uh, stagnation happens with our community often, but what we have to do is take these moments like this to galvanize people. Uh, in 2016, when Alton Sterling was killed, we elected a more progressive leader for our uh, community, and we got police reform and a more uh, equitable chief of police. I think that these things are going to cause people to rise up. They're paying attention. And the more that folks like Roland and yourself highlight conversations of what's happening in Baton Rouge, the more people get stirred up because they're watching, they're paying attention. And when the country's watching, that makes people say, you know what, we got to do something about this. Renita? 
Yeah, what an insane council meeting, because here you have the council member who is basically accusing the police chief of having prior knowledge of what was going on in the Brave Cave and knowing all this time and basically chastising him for standing up now and saying that, you know, this should all be stopped. And watching that, I'm just thinking, well, I'm sure this isn't the first day that somebody has come to a city council member meeting and said what was going on in the Brave Cave. So the city council person, at least the way it looks to me as an outside person, is accusing the police chief of, you know, um, doing something that he has done, which is this is not the first time you've heard about it, but you haven't taken any steps. At the end of the day, the police chief gets appointed by the mayor, and the mayor and the city council work together. So if they were concerned about the Brave Cave, they've had plenty of power to do what they needed to do. But my question for you, um, Gary, and good good job on your uh, Senate campaign. I very much enjoy watching that from afar. Um, my question to you is, I understand that this has not been a part of this story, but I do want to ask you this. Usually when you see Republicans standing against something that they typically would support, like endless funding for the police, um, not doing police accountability, it's usually because corruption has involved those cities, has usually involved those folks. So are there any talks around town about why these people who are pushing back against what the police chief is trying to bring to the sunlight? Like, has there been any talks about if any of this corruption is coming close to part, part, uh, potentially involving any of them? Well, the real conversation is that many people in this community recognize that there's an election next year for city council and mayor. There's a heavy push for uh, white business leaders to push her to hire a white chief of police here in Baton Rouge uh, in a majority black city. And so they're trying to force him out in order to get her to do what they want him to do. And, and let's be honest, a chief talking to a white woman like that in the South uh, that's, you know, Miss Ann is mad. She want to deal with him and she wants to tell uh, the mayor, how dare you let this black man talk to me like that? Do you understand who I am? Um, and that disposition is resonating with some white people within this community. But I think that there are other white leaders in this community that are fed up with the tension, that want us to be a more progressive and equitable community. And there are people who want us to deal with the injustices that happen. What we have is a mechanism where the union funds some of these city council members and they know that they're going to get funding if they're pushing to get a white chief there. And for folks uh, in Louisiana, don't forget, you have a gubernatorial election taking place, uh, which means... Early that, voting is right now, Roland. There you go. There you go. And uh, look, you, you're always crunching the numbers. What does it look like for our people in Louisiana? It ain't looking good if we don't show up, brother. Early voting is happening right now. There's a black man on the ballot. There's a picture behind me, Roland, that shows uh, black folks elected statewide in Louisiana in 1873. We have not had it since. There's not been a black person elected in the state of Louisiana since 1873 statewide. There's a brother with a doctorate degree that's the former Secretary of Transportation running for governor of Louisiana. Joe Biden and Kamala send the bag and help the man win. Send the bag, help him win, but also uh, folks there on the ground must do their part. We had a sister on uh, the other day from Black Voters Matter. Uh, they're out there on the ground as well. Uh, and at the end of the day, if you're black in Louisiana, you can't complain about what's not happening in your community if you are also sitting at home and not exercising your right to vote. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Roland. Appreciate it, Gary. Thanks a bunch. Folks, got to go to a break. We come back. We're going to talk about what's happening there in Oklahoma, a uh, historic ru ruling dealing with the Muskegee Nation. Uh, that is next. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to hit the like button, folks. Don't forget, also support us in what we do. Your contributions play a critical role in us being able to bring you these type of stories every single day. There is no... Let me say, let me say this very slowly. 
There is no black-owned media outlet that is doing what we're doing here at the Black Star Network. You can sit here and ask all of them. Not Essence, not Ebony, not Blavity, not Urban One and Radio One, not even the Griot. Yeah, they got two daily shows, one hour each, but you're getting five hours of original content every single day uh, right here on the Black Star Network. You're getting live events coming out of Capitol Hill. You're getting uh, different conferences and rallies. Uh, you name it. That's the kind of stuff that we're covering every single day. And so your support is critical for us being able to cover the news. You've got elections coming up across this country. We're focused on that. Uh, you've got, of course, a huge election next year, 2024. You name it. We are covering the stuff that matters to African-Americans and, and truly every single day uh, living up to what the nation's first black newspaper freedom journal said March 16, 1827. We wish to plead our own cause too long have others spoken for us. So support us in what we do. Please send your check and money orders to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash app, dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal, R. Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale, rolling at rollinsmartin.com, rolling at rollinmartinunfiltered.com. And of course, be sure to get a copy of my book, White Fear, How the Browning of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds, available uh, at bookstores nationwide. Get your copy on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Also, get your uh, audio version of Audible. And you can also download the Black Star Network app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. And don't forget, we're now on several uh, fast channels. First, you can see us on Amazon News. Go to Amazon Fire, uh, go to Amazon News. You can also tell Alexa, play news from the Black Star Network. When you support us, you're also supporting that 24-hour streaming channel, which is also available on Plex TV. You can check us out on Plex TV. Search for Black Star Network. Find us on the live TV under news and opinion. Plus, last week, we added two new channels. You can see us on Amazon Freebie. That's right, Amazon Freebie uh, on uh, their program uh, platform. We're under uh, news. And if you go to Amazon Prime Video, their live TV feed, guess what? The Black Star Network is right there alongside ABC, NBC, CBS, and the other networks. And so check us out under uh, news on the live TV on Prime Video. Folks, we'll be right back. Next on The Black Table with me, Greg Carr. An hour of living history with Dr. Richard Mariba Kelsey, thinker, builder, author, and one of the most important and impactful elders in the African-American community. He reflects on his full and rich life and shares his incomparable wisdom about our past, present, and future. The African genius is, is, is saying that my uncle was a genius, my brother was a genius, my neighbor was a genius. I think we ought to drill that in ourselves and move ahead rather than believing that I got it. That's next on The Black Table, here on the Black Star Network. All change right. is not growth. Right. But thoughtful change is real good fertilizer. And that's what has been so beneficial to us. But you also were not afraid of the pivot. Well, and I'm a black woman in business. Come on, I don't care how I dress up. I don't care who I'm speaking with. I don't care what part of the world I am in. I still am a black woman in business. Being afraid of the pivot, being fearful of change is not what got me here. Respectful of change 
respectful of pivot. Yeah. Fearful? No. Uh-uh. No. Muhammad, live from LA, and this is The Culture. The Culture is a two-way conversation. You and me, we talk about the stories, politics, the good, the bad, and the downright ugly. So join our community every day at 3 p.m. Eastern and let your voice be heard. Hey, we're all in this together, so let's talk about it and see what kind of trouble we can get into. It's The Culture, weekdays at 3, only on the Black Star Network. This is Essence Atkins. What's the love king of R&B, Raheem Devon? Me, Sherry Shepard, and you know what you watch. You're watching Roland Martin, Unfiltered. In Oklahoma, a Muskegee Nation District Court judge ruled in favor of two freedmen descendants, folks, seeking tribal citizenship. The new ruling, of course, reversed the Muskegee Nation Citizenship uh, Board's decision denying Rhonda Grayson and Jeff Kennedy's application for citizenship in 2019. They're both Creek Freedmen descendants who say the Creek Treaty of 1866 grants them citizenship in the tribe. Civil rights attorney and founder of Justice for Greenwood, Demario Solomon Simmons, joins me now. He has been fighting and advocating on their behalf. So, Demario, first of all, explain to us... Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. The importance of this historic decision. Yeah, well, good evening, bro, and good to see you, bro. Listen, this is, this is historic. It's amazing. Since 1979, that the Muscogee Creek Nation has disenfranchised and discriminated against Black Creek freemen of those who are Creeks of African descent. What that means is we have been systematically denied any type of benefits, uh, housing, cash stipends, education, uh, uh, health care that was owed to us since 1979. And that has been going on uh, with with the DOI, Department of Interior, Department of Justice, everyone allowing this to happen. And we've been fighting this fight. I personally have been representing this case since 2004. It's one of the first cases I, can't, I, I filed or was a part of when I came out of law school. And just last week, I finally got a district judge at the Muscogee Creek Nation to decide what is the absolute truth of the matter. The Treaty of 1866, specifically 18, uh, Article 2, specifically says that Creeks of African descent should have full citizenship rights as any other creek. We won that. We know that they have already appealed, Roland, and we're just gearing up to fight that. We know we'll be successful in the end. 
So they are appealing that judge's decision. Who are they, who are they appealing it to? Yeah, so just for people to understand it, the Muscogee Creek Nation is one of the so-called five uh, civilized tribes. These are the nations. Uh, there's the Creek, the Choctaw, the Seminole, the Chickasaw, and the Cherokee. These are the nations that became, uh, certain aspects of the nation became very assimilated in a southern plantation-style economy. Uh, they had enslaved Africans and also enslaved black members of their tribe who were already just indigenous and original. They were marched on the Trail of Tears to Oklahoma, what's now Oklahoma Indian Territory in the 1830s. And so in the 19, early 1900s, the United States of America destroyed these tribal nations' governments. But in 1970, 1970 they were able to reconstitute their governments and now there are over 100,000 Creek citizens of the Creek Nation. So they are actually appealing to the Creek Nation's Supreme Court. Now, if they appeal to the Creek Nation Supreme Court uh, and they do not rule in your favor, is that it? No, if, if they do not rule in our favor, which will be, uh, it'd be unbelievable. But, you know, anti-black discrimination is, is a very strong uh, adversary, and they will come up with things that should not be ruled against you and, and just completely ignore the law, because the treaty is very, very clear. The treaty of 1866 is very clear. In fact, Roland, it is the very treaty of 1866, which, by the way, was negotiated and signed uh, by five people. One of us was my great-great-great-grandfather, Cal Tom, who signed that treaty and was primarily responsible for putting in Article 2 and an enslavement in the Creek Nation. It is that particular treaty that gives the Creek Nation this jurisdiction or the legal standing to even exist today as it does. And the Creek Nation is really putting its entire uh, existence into jeopardy by fighting on this issue. So, 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 so what they're doing is they're fighting a treaty that allows them to be who they are today. So it's Absolutely. sort of like, so it's sort of like, oh, the treaties, the, the treaty's real, uh, the treaty works, but only the parts that we like. Only the part that says, the parts we like and the, the part we don't like is we don't want these Negroes. We do not want these black members in our treaty. Oh, Roland. Many people may be familiar with the McGirt decision, which said eastern Oklahoma was, was definitely Indian territory. That happened in 2021. Yep. That treaty, that it's the same treaty, the Treaty of 1866, specifically Article 3. It is Article 3. The chief, David Hill, is the principal chief of the Creek Nation, sent a letter to our governor on September 5th, where he argued that our governor needs to stop trying to fight the Creek Nation because the treaties are the supreme law of the land. Yet that same chief, when it came last week, when the judge decided in our favor, said, we don't like her decision and we're going to appeal it. <laughs> this is anti-black wow. discrimination at its finest. This is George Wallace. This is segregation today and segregation forever. These are people that have a, they hate black Indians, period. And we know this because in 1977, we have the documents when they specifically said, we're going to change our treaty, change our constitution so we can get rid of the freedmen. There's too many of them. It's too many freedmen, and we want to get rid of them, and that's what they've been doing. We're going to continue to fight this as we have. We know we're going to be successful. If we were to lose at the Supreme Court, which I don't think we will, uh, we will absolutely go to the, the district court, the federal district courts. So, for the folks at home who don't know, they might say, well, I don't want to be a part of something they don't want me. We're talking resources here. We're, we're, we're oh. talking there are things that 
uh, that they have that they want to keep to themselves and do not want these uh, black Indians to have a part of, correct? That's absolutely. And, and even before that, Roland, we, we built the Creek Nation, right? So it's like people saying, well, I'm going to leave the United States of America. Well, we built the United States of America. We built the Creek Nation. We sustained the Creek Nation. We were we were judges and lawyers and light horsemen, which is a police officer. We elected officials. We were also, in, some of us was enslaved by the Creek Nation. So they, they owe us this citizenship. This is our birthright. This is our history. This is our culture. And the law says we are citizens. And to the resources rolling, let me give you just an example. Give all the, the people listening to the audience an example. During COVID, the Creek Nation received a couple billion dollars from the American Rescue Act. They gave each Creek citizen $4,500 cash. $4,500 cash, and Creek Freedmen, who were should have been entitled, received zero. Back in 2016, President Obama settled a case with the Creek Nation for about $40 million or something like, you know, pretty close to that. That money should have been also been, been the Creek Freedmen. We got zero. When it comes to health care, right now, today, if you're a Creek citizen, you can get health care from the federal government for free. If you need a house, they help you with housing. If you need educational uh, assistance, they'll help you with that. We're talking about millions of dollars in resources that were going to black households that have been denied by anti-black discrimination. Omakongo. Well, first of all, Demario, I really commend you for your just dogged work on this. It's, it's just really commendable, and I, we just appreciate what you're doing. Um, and one of the documents I was reading, uh, was, I believe it's from Eli Grayson, was talking about how the White House is not saying anything. And Deb Holland there, you know, represents, you know, the Native American community as well. Uh, they've been kind of watching this go. What kind of pressure should we be seeing coming from the White House as it relates to recognizing you all's rights? Great question. And Roland, I saw him a couple of times last week while I was in D.C. for the ALC conference. And I spent the, I spent the next week after the weekend on Capitol Hill and in the executive branch lobbying or talking to our members, particularly our Congressional Black Caucus members, had a great meeting with Representative Stephen Horsford, who's the chair of the Congressional Black Caucus. Also met with Representative Hank Johnson, Representative Maxine Waters, who has been a stalwart champion on this issue. We want the entire uh, Congressional Black Caucus to have a unified voice that they will not stand for Black Creek Freeman continue to be discriminated against. So everyone can contact Representative Horsford and let him know that we want the Black Caucus to stand strong, talking to Deb Holland. I'm happy to report that Representative Horsford said he would speak with Deb Holland because the Department of Interior and the, and, the, and the executive branch could stop this right now. The Department of Interior, Deb Holland, who's the Secretary of the Department of Interior, she could order the Creek Nation today to stop their anti-black discrimination or the United States of America will not recognize their government to government relations. That has happened before with the Seminole Nation. It's a precedent for this. So this is something that we can push on all of our elected leaders, our black elected leaders, to put pressure on Deb Holland and the White House to make sure that they stop discriminating against Black Creek Indians. I want to be clear, it's over 150,000 Black Creek Indians throughout this country. This is not just an Oklahoma issue. This is something that will substantially impact and improve the lives of Black communities across this nation. Renita. 
Well, I'm so glad to see you back. I remember when you came on the show um, several months ago and told us about this issue before there was a ruling. So I'm glad to see you're back with good news. You know, this is a classic case of um, anti being anti-black, not just hurting black people, but also hurting people who are not black. And so my question to you would be, and you kind of started to open the can, but talk a little more for the viewers um, about what impact it would really have on um, this tri on the Muskogee, Muskogee Nation? Um, not I'm not talking about the Black freedmen, but the Muskogee Nation. Um, what impact it would have if they are successful in in the appeals process in essentially reducing the power of their treaty? Because that's basically what they're asking for by saying, "Oh, well, the treaty shouldn't get to be you know shouldn't shouldn't be the final power on whether or not these people can um, be available you know be allowed to have some of the resources." So talk about what protections they could lose in their effort to use anti-blackness to make sure that black Indians don't get anything. That's an outstanding question. I mean, they're, they're, what they're doing will put uh, in peril the entire federal Indian law jurisprudence and how federal Indian law is practiced in this country. And what I mean is being an Indian or being a Native American is not a racial designation. It's a political designation. And Title 25 of the federal code spells out all the different benefits and programs that are available for those who are Native Americans. So you're talking about, again, housing, health care, education, agriculture, uh, all type of items that are beyond the 14th Amendment. So think about this. The, uh, the the fund that recently was uh, sued by the white supremacist who was trying to stop, I think it's called the Freedom Fund or the fund where the black women are yeah, given yeah, it's a called, grant. Yeah, it's called the Fearless Fund of Atlanta. The Fearless Fund. They've been sued and they're on an injunction now. They can't do their work. And, the, and the, the lawsuit is basically saying that what they're doing is a violation of the 14th Amendment. Now, that's a bunch of crap, but that's what they're arguing. But you can't even make that argument with, when you're a Native American because it's not racial. It's political designation. That's why it's so important. And if they are successful with their argument, they're simply saying that these treaties don't matter that the treaties can be uh, ignored at any time. And if they can ignore the treaties, then the United States of America will say, we're going to ignore these treaties. And for hundreds of years, Native American nations have been fighting for the United States to uphold their treaty obligations. And so it's ridiculous and absurd. It should be something that all Native American nations from around this country should be calling the Creek Nation's chief, David Hill, and say, what are you doing? You're putting all of us at risk because of your decision that you want to be George Wallace and have segregation today and segregation forever. Julianne? Our brother, it's good to see you. Uh, good to see you last week at Congressional Black Caucus. And I appreciate you. Um, you've mentioned Deb Holland a couple of times, and she, of course, as a Secretary of Interior, very celebrated when a uh, first Native uh, person to serve on the cabinet. So she seems to get equity issues. What is her problem, or what is the holdup with her embracing? the cause that you put out there. Is there something going on that we don't know about? Or is she just basically, um, well, never mind, I'm not going to use the word. You know me. But I'm just wondering, given her celebrated status, why has she not stepped up? Well, listen, good to see you, Doc. It was good to be on the panel with you last week talking about reparations and justice for Greenwood. It's a great question. You know, Secretary Deb Holland, I, I don't know her. I never met her. I've been trying to get a meeting with her for almost a year, uh, and I haven't been, I've been unsuccessful so far. I will say this, publicly on May 12, 2021, I think it was, Deb Holland issued a press release 
regarding the Cherokee Nation, which had adopted, re-adopted their black Cherokees and treating them as first-class citizens. And in that press release, she says she called upon all the other nations, including the Creek Nation, to fulfill their legal and moral obligation to their freedmen. She said their legal and their moral obligation to their freedmen. And so we know that she knows about this issue. A year later, on July 27, 2022, there was a hearing in front of the Indian, Civil, uh, Indian Committee, the Senate's Indian Affairs Committee, and the uh, Assistant Chief for the Bureau of Indian Affairs, which is, sits right underneath Deb Holland, and is over this issue, this area. He said the same thing that they're looking for the nations to fulfill their legal and moral obligation to Creek Freeman. But here's the deal. The Department of Interior has a legal and a moral obligation to Creek Freeman also, because under federal law, I am a Creek, I am an Indian, and all of our Creek Freeman are Indians. And they have a duty, a fiduciary duty to protect us. It's called a trust duty. They have a trust duty to protect our rights. So I would say everyone that's listening today to contact Deb Holland, Secretary Deb Holland, respectfully, and ask her to move forward on what she talked about, making sure that our legal and moral obligation and our rights are protected. She can do this today. So we need our Congressional Black Caucus members pushing on Deb Holland. Anyone that knows Deb Holland need to be pushing that narrative and say, listen, we don't want to see 150,000 of our brothers and sisters who happen to have dark skin be disenfranchised from the nation of their birth, their heritage, their culture, but the law says that they are members and being disenfranchised from millions of dollars in benefits each and every year. Let me say one other thing about that, Roland, when I talk about benefits. Let's just use Oklahoma and General Tulsa. Black people in Tulsa live 11 to 14 years less than white Tulsans. A big part of that is because we don't have access to quality health care. There are about 10,000 Black Creek families here in the Tulsa area alone. If we had access to that type of health care, it would substantially shorten the, the, the wage, I mean, the, 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 the death rate between Blacks and whites. We would live longer. That is an issue that would substantially change lives almost overnight. Um, indeed. Mario, keep up the good fight, my brother. All right, good to see you always, bro. Appreciate you. Thanks a bunch. Peace. Thank you, folks. We come back to Roller Martin Unfiltered. We're going to talk about a case out of Jacksonville, a brother viciously beaten and the family's demanding answers. Also, finally, a black woman returns to the United States Senate courtesy of California Governor Gavin Newsom. We'll tell you exactly who she is and what does that mean for the United States Senate. You're watching Roller Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Next on The Frequency with me, Dee Barnes, the amazing Drew Dixon. She gives us the details behind the HBO documentary that shed light on the alleged sexual assault by Russell Simmons. And we're talking about the Netflix documentary, Ladies First, right here on The Frequency on the Black Star Network. On the next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, two facts that you need to be aware of. African-American women have the highest diagnosis of breast cancer than any other group 
in the U.S. And young African-American women are most likely to be diagnosed with one of the highest aggressive forms of breast cancer than all other groups. It is a disease that requires fast action, determination, and a whole lot of support. On our next show, we'll meet a young woman who's chosen an alternative path and approach to tackling this disease. And you'll hear from our medical and support experts on how to maintain balance through it all. We encourage exercise. We encourage, you know, changing diet and making, you know, all those personal changes. That's on a next A Balanced Life on Black Star Network. When you talk about blackness and what happens in black culture, we're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause to long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in Black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Checks and money orders go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Hello, we're the Critter Fixers. I'm Dr. Bernard Hodges. And I'm Dr. Terrence Ferguson. And you're tuned in to Roland Martin Unfiltered. Shea has been missing from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania since September 7th. The 33-year-old is 5 feet 2 inches tall, weighs 150 pounds, with black hair and brown eyes. She was last seen wearing all black clothing. Anyone with information about Tamira Lachey is urged to call the Philadelphia Police Department's Southwest Detective Division at 215-686-3181 or dial 911. 215-686-3183. Two Indiana cops are charged with shooting a man sleeping in his grandfather's driveway. Officers Carl Chandler and Alexander Gregory have been indicted on two counts of aggravated battery. Battery with a deadly weapon. Battery insult, uh, resulting in serious bodily injury. Uh, criminal recklessness and battery resulting in moderate bodily injury for their alleged roles in the December 31st shooting of Anthony Macklin. Macklin fell asleep in a car outside his grandfather, grand, grandmother Vicki Driver's home. She called 911 around 4 a.m saying a black car was in her driveway, but she didn't, she didn't want to go out to see who was inside. When Chandler and Gregory approached the vehicle, they tried to wake Macklin by banging on his window. They say they saw a gun in his lap. One of the officers attempted to open the door to the car, but they were locked. When Macklin woke up and started to move, officers began shooting. According to Macklin's attorney, the officers fired at least 30 shots, hitting Macklin three times. Macklin was hospitalized for 17 days and underwent six surgeries. His attorneys claim he never had the gun in his hand. Folks, we come back. 
We're going to talk about the U.S. Senate race in South in uh, California. Ooh, Gavin Newsom has changed that race. Also, a beating of a black man in Jacksonville as folks ticked off there as well. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. On the next Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, we talk about the principles of mindset, strategy, and execution. This week, we're adding a fourth, faith. You're going to hear from a mother and daughter duo who are helping thousands of Black women build wealth all through their faith. You are more than you can ever imagine. Not just obtaining things to show that, but seeing yourself. Making your faith work for you, that's right here on Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network. I'm Faraji Muhammad, live from LA. And this is The Culture. The Culture is a two-way conversation. You and me, we talk about the stories, politics, the good, the bad, and the downright ugly. So join our community every day at 3 p.m. Eastern and let your voice be heard. Hey, we're all in this together, so let's talk about it and see what kind of trouble we can get into. It's The Culture, weekdays at 3, only on the Black Star Network. Next on The Black Table with me, Greg Carr. An hour of living history with Dr. Richard Mariba Kelsey, thinker, builder, author, and one of the most important and impactful elders in the African-American community. He reflects on his full and rich life and shares his incomparable wisdom about our past, present, and future. I'm a genius is, is, is saying that my uncle was a genius, my brother was a genius, my neighbor was a genius. I think we ought to drill that in ourselves and move ahead rather than believing that I got it. That's next on The Black Table, here on the Black Star Network. Hey, it's John Murray, the executive producer of the new Sherry Shepard Talk Show. This is your boy, Earthquake. And you're tuned in to Roland Martin Unfiltered. California Governor uh, Gavin Newsom, he's playing chess and really laying the groundwork for a presidential run in 2028. He kept his promise to appoint a black woman to replace uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein, who died on Friday. But it was not the black woman many people thought. Many people actually thought it was initially going to be Congresswoman Barbara Lee. But then he decided that, well, he didn't want to appoint somebody who was running for the seat because it might be unfair to the other two members of Congress, which includes Congressman Adam Schiff and Congresswoman Katie Porter. Schiff is being backed big time by former Speaker Nancy Pelosi. So what did Newsom do? He appointed the president of Emily's List, LaFonza Butler, to the United States Senate. Now, Butler posted this on social media after the announcement. I'm honored to accept Governor Gavin Newsom Newsom nomination to be U.S. Senator for a state I have made my home and honored by his trust in me to serve the people of California and this great nation. Butler will serve as the crucial 51st vote for Senate Democrats who have a slim majority in the upper chamber and are defending several seats in red states in 2024. 
Vice President Kamala Harris plans to swear Butler in on Tuesday. Now, what's interesting is that uh, Butler, of course, lives in Maryland with her wife and child, and so she is going to, I guess, what, the, what do they say, reclaim California as her home base. What's interesting here is that, and this is why Julian, I'm sorry, Renita, why Renita, why I think this is a quite interesting play. First and foremost, Newsom plans to run in 2028. Absolutely. Two, he appoints a black woman. He got a lot of criticism from Congresswoman Barbara Lee uh, by going back on that. He comes back and appoints a black woman. Three, she leads Emily's list, which supports pro-choice candidates nationwide. That's a whole lot of money right there. Four, she's lesbian. So he's sitting here saying, I can check a whole lot of boxes. So what does it do? One, it isolates Congresswoman Barbara Lee, who's trying to run for the U.S. Senate. If Butler chooses to run for this seat, absolutely changes the game. And if you're former Speaker Nancy Pelosi, you ain't too happy because if Butler does run, she can raise a lot of money. And who is post Pelosi backing? Congressman Adam Schiff. So uh, Newsom really uh, just caused a lot of drama here because nobody had Butler on their list. You know, you're right. This is going to be really, really interesting because um, of what you have here at play. You know, usually when a caretaker comes into a situation where a sitting elected official has died and it's a high-profile position that we know that there would be a lot of competition for, what usually happens is there is a caretaker, which is somebody who comes and fills the rest of the term, and usually they make a public promise saying, I'm not going to run for the seat when it when we when we make it to the next election. And so we saw that here in Georgia when John Lewis Congressman John Lewis passed away, there were many people who stepped up and said, "I'm willing to be a caretaker. I don't ever want to serve in public office. I'm not going to run for the seat after taking care of it. I am just here as a placeholder to make sure that Democrats retain the power in this seat, but I is not my intention to sit in this seat." Now, that ultimately was not the process that Georgia went with to uh, backfill Congressman Lewis, Lewis's um, seat, but it was there was a lot of talk of that, and many people were in support of that. In this situation, you've got her, you've got LaFonza appointed, but there are no stipulations on her not running for the seat in 2024. And so to your point, you're absolutely right. It sets up a few things. Number one, you've already got Barbara Lee in the race, who is well-documented as someone that activists and organizers trust and someone that, you know, the people trust. And she has a long electoral track record um, of people just kind of knowing how she moves as an elected official and what she will or will not do versus LaFonza, who's just coming from Emily's list as a president of Emily's list, which has a long and earned record of not supporting black women candidates. And that record did not change under LaFonza. In addition, as you mentioned, it was 24 hours ago, she still had her location, uh, home base as Maryland on Twitter. So this is going to be very, very interesting for a lot of reasons, should she decide to actually enter the U.S. Senate race. I can't wait to hear what Julian has to say. <laughs> oh, Roland. You know, Gavin and I ran for the Board of Supervisors in San Francisco back in the 80s. Um, he is a wily dude. He is very slick, and this shows his slickness to the max. Um, the sister code is that black women don't talk about each other ugly when we're out in public. So nobody's going to say anything about LaFonza, uh, no more than what Renita has said, which is mild. There's other stuff that can be said not about her, but about the process. 
Uh, we, I stand with Barbara Lee. We stand with Barbara Lee. The California Black Women's Network stands with Barbara Lee. And we're profoundly disappointed in Governor Newsom because when this man had his chestnuts roasting on an open fire with a recall, black women pulled his chestnuts out and helped him. So how dare he ignore our voices? But again, the sister code says we don't talk about folks. So all we want to really know is what happened. Because if LaFonza decides to file, you're going to have a food fight. She does have enormous, enormous, enormous fundraising capability, both from Emily's List. And let's not forget, she was the head of SCIU in California. So she got labor. She's got the GBLTQIA community. Um, she is a formidable force. But does she know the United States Senate? Does she know anything else? Where many of us, I interviewed Kelly Ty Griffin, head of the California Black Women's Network this morning on my radio show. We're disappointed, but we're not going to disassist her. But we are disappointed because Gavin needed us. And when he needed us, he leaned on us. And now he does not hear us. And that's the bottom line. Um, I, you know, he, he and Pelosi, but basically both want Adam Schiff. He's moderate, a middle of the road. He, they don't want a progressive, which would be either Katie, um, whatever her name is, or Barbara. Katie, Lee. Katie Porter. Okay, I'm being, you know, I'm being myself. Uh, but anyway, they don't want them because they're too progressive, and so they really have lined up behind Schiff. And this is a way of um, basically bolstering shift they thought. But this LaFonza sister may be time enough for them, and if she raises the money, she can upset the entire apple cart. So it's really interesting to see what's going to go down. Amakongo. So uh, one of the other things I think is important to mention is that she's also 44 years old. And so when all of this talk about Biden and everybody being too old, he's, you know, compared to Barbara Lee in terms of age and Schiff and others in terms of age, obviously Katie Porter's younger as well. This is also something that, that can help him going into 2028. And, you know, originally he said that, you know, he wanted to have somebody who didn't really have an interest in serving. But when he made the announcement, as Renita was saying, he didn't say that. So I think this is very strategic. And also she served as a, an advisor to Kamala Harris, and who also has her own presidential aspirations, I'm sure, for 2028. And so this is, you know, there could be a, if she decides to say, hey, I'm pretty comfortable here, you know, she could have, there could be a potential, you know, Newsom Butler ticket. And, you know, going to some of what Dr. Malvo was saying as well, this will, there are other, there are about like 12 other candidates who are running for, for, for Senate in California. And so this is another person who, if she decides to stay, it's also going to dilute the female vote overall, you know, across all races as well. And so I believe that there are, are many people in California, particularly in the black community who are upset, who feel like, you know, he disrespected, uh, you know, Barbara Lee and, and her legacy. But I feel like he's playing the long game. And this is going to lead to, she already has that national profile. And I'm very concerned with all of these outside California voices, people who aren't, you know, familiar with what's going on. It's just going to, because of the Emily List, because of the union background, because of all this, going to throw major support her way just because of that name recognition. So this is very strategic on Newsom's part. And I feel like those who support, you know, Bar Barbara Lee, people need to really, like, hunker down and, and go hard. Because if this is what we want, we got to make sure we fight for that. And Newsom ultimately does not control the votes that the black people in California and more in California in terms of the constituency that Barbara Lee has built can bring to the table. 
All righty. Well, I, I think it's going to be quite interesting here. Uh, and, um, and, and again, what people don't understand here, Renita, politics is politics. Uh, mm. It ain't always nice. It ain't always clean. Uh, and again, if you're Newsom, uh, we know exactly, you know, we know, you know where he wants to be in 2028. Uh, he will be able to say when there were no black women in the United States Senate, I appointed one. Uh, and, and so uh, he's going to be able to say uh, this will be the second uh, op you know, uh, 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 openly uh, lesbian in the United States Senate. He wants to be able to say that. Uh, and so there's no doubt uh, he is making calculated decisions for 2028. Right. I think he's making a calculated decision, as you said, and I think that it is not going to have the effect that he thinks that it will have. I think that he's going to end up with more problems from doing this than what he thinks that he will gain. That's just my prediction. You know, what goes around comes around, and there are a lot of things in this situation that Dems have previously talked about in other states where we had Herschel Walker basically living in Texas <laughs> and trying to be the U.S. senator for Georgia, and nobody liked it. So, I mean, there are a lot of things in this calculation that I think that he's miscalculated that people are not going to remember because many of these things just happened yesterday. People didn't like it then and they probably won't like it tomorrow. All right. You know, what goes around comes around. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, what goes around comes around. And Gavin thinks he's slick and he is slick. But, you know, slick does not always <laughs> win the day. Um, he, he made two promises and he kept them. He appointed a black woman. He said he, he the caretaker thing to me was so insulting. We've been taking care of America since we've been here. So to say a black woman would be a caretaker, you know, what are we, mammy? But he did uh, point someone who seems to have no dog in the fight. This sister is formidable, and it may come back to bite him in the hind parts. All right, folks, hold tight one second. Uh, we come back. We're going to talk about uh, this case out of Jacksonville. Black man viciously beating, caught on, caught on tape. People now demanding answers. The sheriff speaks out today. We're going to show you that video right here. Uh, also uh, on today's show, we'll talk about Breast Cancer Awareness Month. We'll have that. We avert a government shutdown. Donald Trump, he got to go up against uh, Tish James in court. Wait till we show you what happened there. Uh, and also, uh, seven years ago, we were in Georgia for uh, Many Rivers to Cross Festival, uh, put together by uh, the late, great Harry Belafonte. Uh, we'll show you some of that as we uh, never forget Mr. B, who passed away earlier this year. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network. Don't forget to support us in what we do. Please send your check and money order. P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash app, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. PayPal, R. Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale, Roland at RolandSMartin.com. Roland at RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. And don't forget, of course, download the Black Star Network app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. And be sure to get a copy of my book, White Fear, How the Browning of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds. Available! Bookstores nationwide. Get it from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target. Download the audio version on Audible. We'll be right back. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. 
Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Next on The Black Table with me, Greg Carr. An hour of living history with Dr. Richard Mariba Kelsey, thinker, builder, author, and one of the most important and impactful elders in the African-American community. He reflects on his full and rich life and shares his incomparable wisdom about our past, present, and future. African genius is, is, is saying that my uncle was a genius, my brother was a genius, my neighbor was a genius. I think we ought to drill that in ourselves and move ahead rather than believing that I got it. That's next on The Black Table, here on the Black Star Network. Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene, a white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. It's an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol. We're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. I'm Paula J. Parker, Judy Proud on the Proud Family. I am Tommy Davidson. I play Oscar on Proud Family, Louder and Proud. Hi, I'm Joe Marie Payton, voice of Sugar Mama on Disney's Louder and Prouder, Disney Plus. And I'm with Roland Martin on Unfiltered. Folks in Jacksonville demanding answers in the vicious beating death of Lakeen Woods. This video was captured on tape. Folks, he was handcuffed uh, and beaten by cops. Man, when you see his face, uh, his face was swollen. This is the body cam footage. hear any audio because uh, the audio has not been turned on. So you see the officer uh, getting out of the car. Guns are already drawn um, as they are approaching uh, the truck uh, of uh, Lakeen Woods. There were three officers uh, involved uh, in this particular uh, uh, case here. And so, um, and so you, uh, are, now is the audio there, folks? 
All right, so unfortunately, we cannot hear the commands uh, of the officers and what they're actually saying uh, to him. Uh, and then uh, all of a sudden, uh, you're going to see uh, exactly uh, what, uh, what happens here. Uh, and if you look on social media, many people are calling these this is a police gang in terms of how uh, they treated this man. Do me a favor, folks. Uh, let's go ahead uh, and advance this uh, to the part where they remove him on the vehicle. And then you begin to see um, what happened to him. Uh, it was a bystander's video that was also released. And so let's go right there. Uh, you'll see what let's go to that video now. So you see here, so still no audio, so we can't, and I'm not, I don't understand why uh, the officer here uh, did not have uh, their audio on. He's capturing uh, the video here, uh, and as they uh, are handcuffing him, um, and they, well, actually, there are two individuals, so you still see there's a, there's a second individual uh, that is uh, in the, uh, still in the car. So you see uh, they got uh, the guns uh, pointed uh, to, uh, to, to that car. Um, this story here uh, has gotten lots of attention, uh, and now all of a sudden you see um, one of the, the gentlemen that was in the, the vehicle uh, begin uh, to uh, take off, uh, and you see now the cop uh, pursuing him, uh, and then this uh, continues, this chase continues. Um, first of all, uh, is shocking the way cops normally operate, uh, where he wasn't shot. Uh, because, you know, we've seen that in the past when they begin to chase uh, a suspect, uh, then all of a sudden that person um, uh, ends up uh, shot again. So th this is being investigated. So you hit, see him with the stun gun, uh, and then um, now all of a sudden um, you see uh, this happen. Now, mind, this is just stun gun, folks. So now all of a sudden you're going to see in the video, uh, what, what happens, and you know, wh while you while you're seeing that, I want to I'm going to show you uh, because again, uh, someone took this from an, from another angle. Uh, this is what end up was how he's going to end up looking right here. Uh, go back to go, go to my iPad, and then you're going to go back to this video. Uh, face is bloody and beaten. Now you go back to the video there. Uh, and you'll see they, they continue uh, to tase him. Uh, and uh, so you see, you see his face there, but then, trust me, this is going to, uh, to actually uh, get worse. So you see the additional officers coming on, kneeing him in his face multiple times, multiple times. Um, now the cop has his face in between his leg. He has his head face down uh, in the grass. You saw he was, you see them uh, literally still beating on him uh, as, as, as we speak. So, so, they, so they, you have two officers now here, uh, and they're trying to get his hand back, and they are still uh, kneeing and beating him uh, in the face. All right, folks, uh, that was, and so, um, 
There was a news conference today involving the sheriff, and so let's play some of that video from the sheriff. This content is not fact-checked by any entity. Because of this mis misinformation campaign by the anti-police fringe, our agency has come under fire, and individual detectives' lives have been threatened. This intentionally misguiding manipulation of facts is wrong and dangerous, and I will not remain silent while the truth is buried to advance a particular agenda. The truth is Woods sustained facial injuries when he fled from police and was tased, fell face first onto the concrete. Detectives struggled with him, and as I stated before, they used strikes to get, gain control, but he continued to res resist arrest. The outcome of Woods' apprehension contrasts with that of his friends in the truck, who immediately complied with police and suffered no physical injury. Force looks ugly, as I stated before, because all force is ugly, not because the detectives engaged in misconduct. And based on the currently available information, the agency believes that the involved detectives acted appropriately with respect to the law and JSO policy. When an officer does wrong, I'll stand up here and tell you straight, I'll be honest. When a person hiding under the anonymity of the Internet does wrong to an officer, I will also stand up here and tell you. And effective immediately, a, crit a critical incident briefing of this, in of, this, of this incident itself, which includes portions of the detective's body-worn camera footage, is available on all JSO media platforms and YouTube. Additionally, complete versions of all detectives' body-worn camera footage is available, or will be very soon, on JSO's transparency page. And I urge members of the public and the media to review this, both this, uh, this briefing and the body-worn camera footage for more complete understanding of the nature and circumstances of Woods' arrest. And I'll take any questions if you guys have any. Sheriff, I was trying to Scott Johnson channel for it. All right, that's the sheriff T.K. Waters. Here's a photo uh, of uh, Lakeian Woods uh, after the fact. Uh, you heard uh, the sheriff there, uh, Julian, say, "Well, uh, this is what happens when uh, somebody runs away and resists, uh, and that uh, it's wrong for people to make assumptions about what took place here." Your thoughts? First of all, why was the audio cut out? I mean, if you supposedly have a body camera, why was the audio cut out? So when I looked at it, Roland, I cringed. I absolutely cringed at what happened to this brother. I think that the sheriff is covering up, and I think that that's what his job is. But I think that we um, need to push for somebody has audio. What happened? Why was this man so brutally beaten? I, I You know, this just keeps happening. It just keeps happening, and nobody's ever held accountable. And as you know, I'm doing this research on lynching right now, which puts some ice in my veins, and this is about it. What the culture of lynching is, anybody could do anything to a black person, and there will be no consequences. This is what we got going on right here. So that brother can stand up there and say, well, this was justifiable. No, it was not. He was, you know, even if he was running, you'd have to do all that. The man was basically brutalized. Congo. You know, I'm concerned about the language of the chief when he talks about, oh, this is uh, the, the work of an anti-police fringe. You know, you can see he's kind of already jumping into some of that lingo and language. And when you see what, what happened to this young man, and we can talk about, yes, you shouldn't be re resisting and the like, but police are also, and Renita talks about this every week, they're supposed to have their own training as it relates to how they engage in de-escalation, how they in engage in arrest as well. Wasn't armed, wasn't swinging any knife, was already on, on the ground, and they get up looking like this, people 
you know, where's the Santas, you know, came into Jacksonville and talked about, you know, anti-hate. Where are those, you know, council people who, you know, defended the Santas when he was in there talking about, we don't, we don't believe in violence of any sort. What are they going to say, you know, as it relates to what happened to this brother? I want to hear what the other people in the, in the car also had to say. And really, at the end of the day, I want to see that, you know, that bystander video as well, because if we don't record our own stories, the police are going to constantly change the, the narrative. So, yeah, we have to look for all the facts to come out. But for this to start out like that, and people just to say, oh, I guess he just wasn't shot. We should be happy. That's just not enough. We need more. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, I'm glad that people are questioning um, this incident because, to me, it's completely not feasible, and it is impossible um, to believe that his face would look like that all from just one fall. It's not like he fell from 10 stories high. He fell from standing up on the ground down to the concrete. And you're going to tell me that his eyes are going to look like that? I mean, no, That the way that his body looks is not something that would be consistent with a person uh, you know, who's standing up on level ground and just falling to the ground. It's just not. And so I think that these incidents are very telling. The press conferences they have after are very telling, because here you have the uh, sheriff complaining that people are saying things on the internet. You know, you're supposed to be above all that. You know, he should not be complaining about what is on the internet. Just do your job. And if you have evidence and proof to show that this is not what happened, what people are saying happened, then come forward with that. And so I think that it's always very telling when you're having police officers who are so defensive about people having any questions about them, when at the end of the day, taxpayers are the ones who pay police officer salaries. We are the customers. And Black people are tired of handing over tax money only to be brutalized by police officers. Most Black people that I know are actually more worried about the crime and harm that comes from police officers in their neighborhoods than they are about what people would say are criminals doing crime in the neighborhood. Uh, well, speaking of uh, folks who do crime, Donald Trump uh, <laughs> today uh, in New York City uh, was actually uh, headed to trial. Now, here's what's so hilarious here. His attorneys were questioning why there wasn't a jury. The judge was like, because y'all didn't check the box. Talk about how dumb they were. So it's going to be uh, a trial by the judge. Now, last week, he already ruled that they committed fraud. Uh, laid out, flat out, they committed fraud by overestimating uh, of what, what his properties were worth. In fact, now Donald Trump's like, oh, my defense is this is just real estate. This is the same guy who put on one of the uh, sheets that he had a 30,000-square-foot apartment in Trump Tower when it was really only 11,000. So maybe he's really horrible at math as well. Uh, and, of course, uh, Tish James, uh, she spoke outside of the courtroom before it started, and, boy, she made it clear he's going to be brought to justice. Do y'all have that sound for Tish James? All right, so, so Tish James, y'all, uh, I was just laughing uh, because before Donald Trump, he spoke, said, called, blasted the judge, called Tish James racist uh, and all of that, and it was kind of like, really, player? Is that how we doing that thing? Uh, but she, of course, uh, was sitting, sitting in court uh, and just, just could not wait to jam him up. Uh, and what the judge ruled last week, and of course they're going to be appealing this, but the judge ruled last week uh, to take the business licenses of the Trump organization, which would make it impossible for them to actually do business, to allow it to be governed 
uh, by uh, uh, someone else. And so, uh, I, I mean, I was just laughing today. And, of course, it was great to see this video. There was a camera loud in the courtroom. Uh, and you know Fox News. Come on, guys, go to my iPad. You know Fox News is driving them crazy. Well, they actually had to show the scowling orange man in court. Uh, uh, and uh, it was uh, hilarious. Uh, and then they were all questioning, well, how did that happen? How was that camera allowed in? Well, it, it was in. Y'all deal with it. And so we got to see him sitting behind uh, that desk. I have been cracking up on Congo because he is really mad. I mean, like, he really cannot handle that a black woman is holding him as accountable. So Tish James, the New York State Attorney General, Fonnie Willis out there in Georgia, dude ain't happy. Yep, then Chetkin as well is going to be ruling on the gag order soon. Look, it's 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 really amazing. And when we look at all of the different trials, whether it's the rape case, whether it's insurrection and the like, this is the one that actually hurts Trump the most because it goes to the heart of his ego. His whole profile, his whole life, his whole persona has built been built on being this larger-than-life billionaire individual, you know, who actually in real life couldn't do anything about his father's health and, you know, blew much of the money that he, he got. And then the NBC came in with The Apprentice and helped him build his profile, which led to all of this other international financial attention. And the fact of the matter is this goes to the heart of who he is. He is not who he says he is. He's always been a habitual liar about his entire status. I mean, I can't believe that this guy got this far and we still haven't seen his tax returns. But now we got Letitia James and other and other people who are actually holding him accountable. He tried to stare her down, you know, when, when he left to the room. But this man has continually been a fraud. And Republicans, this is your front runner. This is your front runner. And so what are you really going to do at the end of the day when you're going to constantly be getting these images? By the way, which Trump is going to be there because he's also trying to fundraise off of this because he's running out of money. What are y'all going to do with this man now? Y'all going to support him in the next debates? Y'all going to support that scowl every single day who's a fool won't even come and speak to y'all? So it's about time they say justice delayed is justice denied. This has been delayed for far too long, but it's about time that we're starting to see the beginnings of some form of justice in multiple areas in Trump's life and the lives of his children. Nita, the Ivanka shouldn't be allowed to do business in New York either. Nita, the fraud has been exposed. Absolutely. And it's really funny because somebody was talking about this case over the weekend and there was a meme I saw that said, when it's tax time, Trump is saying that he basically owns a shack. But when it's time to get a loan, he is saying that he owns a beautiful mansion. And that's really what is at the heart of this case. I mean, the prosecutors are really going strong here for what they're asking for for Trump. They are not only asking for damages, they're also asking that he not be allowed to be an officer on any corporation in the state of New York. And so you know what that means? That means that basically it's going to be very hard for him or anybody in his family to actually do business because when you... Um, start a new business and you're filing um, with the Secretary of State for that state, you have to send articles of incorporation and they require that you have officers, um, that you list people who are officers who are basically in charge of the company. Those are the people who control the profit, they control the expenses, they control everything about the company. And so if prosecutors get what they want, he essentially will be ruled out of doing any sort of business in New York. And we already know that it was previously reported that he already um, is at the point where he can't really operate any nonprofits in the state of New York. So they are really trying to handcuff him um, in a financial way, uh, extremely with this. <laughs> and he is just, he just really hot and bothered, uh, uh, Julian. <laughs> I just love to see the whining. You're like, that racist, that racist woman, he's been using that one. And she's like, yeah, but I'm about to get your ass.
you know, her, she's like, whatever. But Renita's right about the metaphor of handcuffs. I mean, it's so funny. I mean, his brand is everything for him. He doesn't care about the political so much. He really was a reluctant candidate. He ran to raise his profile. He didn't run to be president. He got to be president. He blocked everything up. But basically, his brand is his wealth. And now we're learning, which we some of us already knew, he didn't have any wealth. Or he had a lot less than he said he did. Like the judge said, how do you get from 11,000 feet to 30,000? I mean, you can get from 11 to 12 or 11 to 13, but you basically up this stuff by a factor of three? Nope. To the nope, nope, nope. So he's sitting there looking like somebody whipped him with, a, you know, whatever. And he, you know, looks very uncomfortable. And he's going to continue to be uncomfortable because Tish James ain't playing. The sister is not playing. And anybody, I have a friend, actually, a dear friend, who spent almost a year in jail because he lied on his mortgage application. That was all political. But he ended up spending a year in jail. So, you know, if Tish James follows that playbook, the orange jumpsuit will come sooner rather than later. And if he wants to continue the campaign in an orange jumpsuit and stupid Republicans want to continue to support someone that earns jumpsuit, that would be called their issue. But what we all know sitting here is that this man is a fraud. He's been a fraud. We knew he was a fraud. And now the covers are being pulled off. We wear the mask and grins and lies that hides our cheeks and shade. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Somebody's snatching the mask off his face. Love it. All right, y'all, got to go to the break. We come back. We're going to talk about breast cancer awareness month. Uh, that is next. Also, seven years ago, uh, we were there in Georgia for the Many Rivers to Cross Festival put on by Harry Belafonte and Sankofa. We'll show you some of that as well as hear from Mr. B. Of course, who passed away earlier this year. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network. When you talk about blackness and what happens in black culture, you're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause to long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Checks and money orders go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037 dash 0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. All change right. is not growth. Right. But thoughtful change is real good fertilizer. 
And that's what has been so beneficial to us. But you also were not afraid of the kid. Well, and I'm a black woman in business. Come on, I don't care how I dress up. I don't care who I'm speaking with. I don't care what part of the world I am in. I still am a black woman in business. Being afraid of the pivot, being fearful of change is not what got me here. Respectful of change, respectful of pivot, yeah. Fearful, no, uh-uh, no. Next on The Frequency with me, Dee Barnes, the amazing Drew Dixon. She gives us the details behind the HBO documentary that shed light on the alleged sexual assault by Russell Simmons. And we're talking about the Netflix documentary, Ladies First, right here on The Frequency on the Black Star Network. On the next Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, we talk about the principles of mindset, strategy, and execution. This week, we're adding a fourth, faith. You're going to hear from a mother and daughter duo who are helping thousands of Black women build wealth all through their faith. You are more than you can ever imagine. Not just obtaining things to show that, but seeing yourself. Making your faith work for you, that's right here on Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network. Muhammad, live from L.A., and this is The Culture. The Culture is a two-way conversation. You and me, we talk about the stories, politics, the good, the bad, and the downright ugly. So join our community every day at 3 p.m. Eastern and let your voice be heard. Hey, we're all in this together, so let's talk about it and see what kind of trouble we can get into. It's The Culture, weekdays at 3, only on the Black Star Network. Hey, it's John Murray, the executive producer of the new Sherry Shepard Talk Show. You're watching Roland Mark Unfiltered. October's Breast Cancer Awareness Month annually, there are 255,000 uh, breast cancer cases that are diagnosed yearly, uh, and about 2,300 are men, of course, when it comes to cancer-related deaths. Uh, breast cancer is number one for women. It's a one in eight chance of a woman developing breast cancer. Of course, uh, it has the highest mortality rate of any cancer for women between the ages of 20 and 59. Of course, it obviously significantly impacts uh, African Americans uh, in uh, numerous ways. Joining me now from Annapolis is the CEO and co-founder of Touch the Black Breast Cancer Alliance, Ricky Fairley. Ricky, glad to have you here. So, uh, obviously, um, so explain uh, the concept of Touch the Black Breast. How are you doing, Roland? I'm so glad to be here. And you know, even though Black women get breast cancer at the same rate as white women, we have a 41% higher mortality rate than white women. We have a 39% higher recurrence rate of breast cancer than white women. We get triple negative breast cancer, which is what I had, at three times the rate of white women. It's the worst one. It has the highest mortality rate. And the worst statistic, Roland, is black women under 35 
get breast cancer at twice the rate of white women and die at three times the rate of white women. And we don't really know why, and that's well before they would have a first mammogram at 40. So we are in a crisis situation with breast cancer. And the only way that we're going to change the game with these numbers is to get better drugs to advance the science. We need better drugs because right now it's, it's, there's something going on wrong with the drugs that we're taking. They were never tested on our bodies, and it's now sort of showing up that, you know, in a, in a lot of science that a black breast cancer cell looks different from a white one, and we need better drugs, different drugs, different treatments. So we're on a mission to get more black women into clinical trial research because that's the only way we're going to get better science is to bring these women into the science, into the research, and test the drugs on our bodies. So in the last year alone, we've signed up 12,868 black women for clinical trial portals, which is great, but we have to do more. We can't be afraid of the science. And people are afraid, first of all, doctors don't invite us to clinical trials, which is a major problem. So you have to ask for it yourself. And there's a fear that you're going to get the sugar pill and die. And there's no sugar pill in cancer research. There's no placebo. You're going to get standard of care. You're going to get a drug that's already available on the market and maybe something new and different. And frankly, if you're a young black woman under 40 and you have breast cancer, do a clinical trial. It's the best science we have for our bodies. And you're going to get a better quality of care, more people scanning you, more people looking over you, more test, more, you know, more testing and, and just a better chance to have a better outcome. Uh, so so you say better drugs then, okay, but how does it happen? Because that, that's a long process. It's a long process, but, but we've got to start somewhere, Roland, and it's really just getting our bodies in the science, getting our bodies in the science, using our biology to get better drugs. It takes, you know, probably, you know, up to six years of trials for a drug, but we have to start somewhere, and we have to make it happen. And even, even with some of the drugs that we already have, Maybe it's a different dosage. Maybe we need a higher dosage. Maybe, but even that kind of testing has to happen to get the drugs that we need as black women. Um, we also have another campaign rolling for young women to help them understand their breast health. Why are they, you know, learn, learn, know your body, know your normal. Look at what your breasts look like and feel like. So, because what's happening is we'll, we'll go to the doctor and present with a lump at age 25, and the doctor will say, oh, come back in six months, you're too young for a mammogram. And that is not the case. So know your body and know your her story. Talk to your grandmas on both sides of your families and learn what's, what, you know, what, what your history is. And we know now there's connections between breast cancer and pancreatic cancer and colon cancer and prostate cancer. So even your dad could pass along something that could give you breast cancer. So talk about it with your families. Talk about it with your with your grandparents, your parents. And if you don't know them, then, then err on the side that you're, you're at risk. My daughter, we don't have a genetic mutation, but my daughter has had a risk assessment. She's 38, and she has a 35% chance of getting breast cancer in her lifetime. So she's going to have a prophylactic mastectomy because we have three years of family history. So there's things that you can do to, to save yourself and not get this horrible disease. All of our information is on whenwetrial.org. If you want to know about a clinical trial, whenwetrial.org. And for young women, go to love of my girls, G-U-R-L-S.org, and we have lots of information, even a worksheet to help you sit down with your grandma. We may not want to talk about it. You know, we don't, our families don't want to talk about health, and we have to, we have to, we have to. Uh, Rita? 
Yes, well, thank you for being here. This is such an important issue. Um, I was wondering if you could talk to viewers about the need for black women to request 3D mammograms, which are the breast annual breast exams um, that women get. You know, there's the regular mammogram, but then there's also a 3D mammogram, which sometimes insurance companies do not pay for. But the 3D mammogram it gives you a lot more information, is very different than a normal, um, than just a regular mammogram that is not 3D. So if you can just kind of talk about, you know, just sure. the why black women should request those. Sure. Well, black women tend to have dense breasts, more dense breasts. And the only way you're going to know that your, your breasts are dense is from a mammogram. Also, younger women tend to have dense breasts. And guess what? With dense breasts, you're four to five times more likely to get breast cancer. So the way around it, a 3D mammogram, a 2D mammogram is useless for us. We need a 3D mammogram. And really what you need to do is go to a facility that only provides 3D mammograms, and then your insurance has to cover it. So just look, you know, find out where you're going and make sure that that's all they do is 3D mammograms. And there are many places like that now. And then your, your, your insurance will cover it for you. But it's critical to get a 3D mammogram. Julian. Hey, Rick. How are you? For folks I'm good. Know, How are you, Dave? Is a dear friend of longstanding. And I appreciate the work she's been doing around breast cancer. And her daughter, Haley, actually uh, works with her in touch and that's their family is just dedicated to ensuring that women know more about breast health. Ricky, there are a whole lot of misconceptions about breast health. What's the most, um, what, what, what's the biggest misconception that you would share with the audience to say, don't believe the hype? Well, you know, people are, are you know, afraid of research, Jules, and um, they think they're going to get the sugar pill and die, as I said earlier, and you're not. There is no sugar pill in breast cancer research. It's, you're going to get standard of care. So you have to know, and all the bad things that happened in our history, they're all kind of out there, but but that can't happen anymore. The FDA has so many constraints over clinical trials, and and um, we, you know, we can explain that to you. We have a great navigator on our team that will help you understand how a clinical trial works if you want to talk about it. But there is... You're, you're going to be in a better situation if you do a clinical trial. You're going to get a better quality of care. You're going to get more scans, and you're going to get better treatment. And there is no sugar pill. You shouldn't be afraid of that. That Advil you took last week for a headache was in a clinical trial. That heart medicine I give my dog Harper was in a clinical trial. If you think about it, the iPhone 15 was in a clinical trial with people. So everything is tested, and it's secure, and it's a good thing to do. Macongo? I really appreciate the, the incredible work that you're doing. Going off of your comment about there is no sugar pill and the like, what are some of the words that you have been using that have convinced black women to actually go and be a part of the trial that other people can do if they're trying to convince black women to be part of these clinical trials as well? I'm sorry. What are the words? I'm sorry. Your question is, what are the words? Well, what, what were some of the things that you, What were some of the things that you said to actually convince black women that they shouldn't oh, be afraid of the sugar pill and they actually should get involved in the trials if they were fearful? What help? What have you done? What do you do to help change their minds? So you know, I have on our website we have a bunch of um, videos of black breasties talking about their trial experience and talking about how a trial saved their life. And frankly, my doctor gave me two years to live, and I'm on 12 because I took experimental drugs at the time. So it's really about hearing it from the voice of a breastie, like a voice of a breastie is a voice of trust. 
and hearing it from a woman who's had a lived experience with a child makes it palatable and makes you say, okay, I can do that too. And frankly, even just using the words like that Advil you took last week was in the clinical trial, people say, sign me up because I don't want to die. You know what I mean? And I think it's just making it, bringing it home and making it real for them that we, that we survive it. All right, then. Ricky Fairley, uh, we appreciate it. Tell people the website where they can go. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for doing this every year for me with us. All right. Thanks so much. Check your breasts that you love. I know you have a pair. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, folks. Got to go to break. We come back uh, seven years ago. Uh, we were in uh, Georgia for the Mini Rivers to Cross Festival, uh, put on by Mr. Harry Belafonte. We'll show you some of that when we come back right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. On the next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, two facts that you need to be aware of. African-American women have the highest diagnosis of breast cancer than any other group in the U.S. And young African-American women are most likely to be diagnosed with one of the highest aggressive forms of breast cancer than all other groups. It is a disease that requires fast action, determination, and a whole lot of support. On our next show, we'll meet a young woman who's chosen an alternative path and approach to tackling this disease. And you'll hear from our medical and support experts on how to maintain balance through it all. We encourage exercise. We encourage, you know, changing diet and making, you know, all those personal changes. That's on a next A Balanced Life on Black Star Network. Next on The Black Table with me, Greg Carr. An hour of living history with Dr. Richard Mariba Kelsey thinker, builder, author, and one of the most important and impactful elders in the African-American community. He reflects on his full and rich life and shares his incomparable wisdom about our past, present, and future. African genius is, is, is saying that my uncle was a genius, my brother was a genius, my neighbor was a genius. I think we ought to drill that in ourselves and move ahead rather than believing that I got it. That's next on The Black Table, here on the Black Star Network. Muhammad, live from L.A., and this is The Culture. The Culture is a two-way conversation. You and me, we talk about the stories, politics, the good, the bad, and the downright ugly. So join our community every day at 3 p.m. Eastern and let your voice be heard. Hey, we're all in this together, so let's talk about it and see what kind of trouble we can get into. It's The Culture, weekdays at 3, only on the Black Star Network. Me, Sherry Shepard, with Sammy Roman. I'm Dr. Robin B, pharmacist and fitness coach, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered.
Seven years ago, folks, we were in Chattahoochee Hills, Georgia, where the Many Rivers to Cross Festival uh, took place over a two-day period, October 1st and 2nd. It was put on uh, by Hare Belafonte, Stratagina Belafonte, and, and Sankofa. This is one of the photos from there. Uh, this was uh, Mr. B, uh, Michael Beard, and Rosario Dawson. Uh, we were there, of course, uh, a focus on uh, arts and activism. There were a number uh, of sessions taking place there as well, and of course, a number of folks who also spoke. And so one of the folks uh, who spoke there was, of course, uh, my dear brother, Reverend Dr. William J. Barber. He addressed the audience. And just here, just some of what he actually had to say. Specific enough, one son died. His spirit is revisiting us. Resistance is in us. That's why Rosa Parks sat on the bus. That's why we talked through Ferguson with our hands up. Our music says to us, ain't gonna let nobody turn us around. We only bow to the sound of justice. We only dance to the rhythms of freedom. We only bow to the cause of liberation. Ain't no bigot running for president gonna turn us around. Ain't no hatred gonna turn us around. Ain't no cop gonna turn us around. Ain't no mean person gonna turn us around. There's a song down in our spirit and we can't bow. Not now, not ever. We can't bow. Not now, not ever. We can't bow. Not, not ever. We can't bow. Not now, not ever. We can't bow. Not now, not ever. Everybody over here, get involved. Everybody over there. Everybody right there. Everybody over here. Everybody right there. Everybody over there. And don't you ever bow to anything less than justice. Well, that's what we call uh, a drop, uh, drop the. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans. Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Mike moment. Uh, there were a number of artists who performed there as well. Uh, one of them, of course, uh, Alice Smith. Uh, she sang uh, her hit song as well. Yeah, Alice was blowing. Check this out.
few words that was uh, shared with the audience uh, by uh, Mr. B himself. Uh, check this out. <laughs> It had been uh, years, literally years, uh, since uh, Mr. B sang publicly, uh, and uh, he did so for those who were gathered there. We're going to just share some of that with you. Congo was interesting because uh, in many ways uh, Mr. B thought that was going to be his swan song. He had been ill a little bit earlier, uh, but he actually lived seven uh, more years and uh, that festival was really about just encouraging uh, the next generation of artists to be far more involved in the issues that matter and not just their entertainment careers. Absolutely, and for somebody who's given so much to I mean, there's so many things that I respect about him and, and his activism, but the thing that I really love the most is his continual investment in young people, his continual ability to reach out to generation after generation after generation of, of rappers, of singers, you know, even when people, you know, had tension and, you know, that was this or that, or, you know, he always encouraged people to live by example and not use your art just to enrich yourself, but to make the entire planet better. You know, I heard one of the things about Dick Gregory before he died, he said that, I wish I could have done more for, for the people. These these people, these, these great men and women who did so much and they still wanted to do more. And if he was still with us today, he would still be out there encouraging people. So all of us who are artists, who are activists and who are entertainers, we need to live by the examples that were set for us. Because if we're gonna out, be out there, someone as myself who's a rapper and a spoken word artist, to get out there and perform without purpose and to get out there and to do the work and not wanna uplift the people and just be concerned, concerned about dollars and reputation, you're going against everything that Mr. Belafonte stood for. And I'm so glad that this festival has been a true testimony to that and I hope it continues to live on forever and may he forever rest in peace and power. Renita. Yeah, watching those clips just really made us feel like we were there. And so, um, you know, one of the things that I would say that really stood out to me was Reverend Barber's speech. Oh my gosh, to me, if your pastor is not preaching like Reverend Barber, not talking like mm -hmm. that, 
they shouldn't even be up talking because he always drops the mic and always talks about issues that are what that are always so timely and always what people are really thinking about and struggling with. And so I just love Reverend Barber because he always, um, you know, reminds me of what pastors are supposed to be, which is community advocates as well as people leading churches. Julian. You know, Roland, uh, you almost got me to tears. Uh, Mr. B and I met years and years ago. We were in Blue Mountain, New York, which is up someplace, um, to talk about progressive issues. And he always, he was an entertainer, but he was also an intellectual. And people forget that. He was more than Deo Deo. He was a brother who actually brought people across racial lines to the table, and he basically embraced younger people. And, you know, Reverend Barber is my brother, and he, he was throwing it down. It's so important, Roland Martin, for you to do what you do in a context of this, for us to go back seven years and see what has happened, and to, like I said, I'm not going to talk because it really makes me emotional to see these men who are very important in my life, to see them doing their thing and to remind us what's so very important. So thank you, Roland. Thank you. And, you know, Mr. B, you know, I got on his nerves. I'll tell the truth. I got on his nerves. He says sometimes, just be just be quiet. Um, Reverend Barber, I don't get on his nerves. That's a blessing. But these are brothers who stand in the gap between what is and what's supposed to be. What is and what's supposed to be. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, this, of course, is, uh, first of all, I appreciate that. This is uh, one of the photos uh, of one of the sessions that took place. That was Aloe Black, uh, Gina Belafonte's daughter, Mr. B, also Jesse Williams uh, that was there. And so we covered that. We covered that uh, for uh, when I was at TV One. And um, it was, um, you know, I, first of all, I wish a lot of my people had attended it, uh, but it was great doing so. And I do hope people understand, to, to really underscore Julian's point, uh, this is why black-owned media matters, uh, because the reality is these type of things happen all the time in this country. Uh, and I can tell you, you didn't have a lot of mainstream media out there. You didn't have MSNBC cameras. You didn't have uh, CNN there. It wasn't been simulcast. And so uh, we were there. Uh, I remember there were folks at TV on who were like, yo, why are y'all doing this? And I was kind of like, well, I'm the managing editor of this show, and that's where we're going to do. Uh, and so many of these things happen. And then, of course, then when you begin to look back and again, seven, eight, ten years and really was what happened. I was in a group chat and Rashad Robinson actually posted the photo and I was kind of like, yo, I completely, you know, I forget about it. But of course, uh, reminded me that that was uh, today. Uh, and and so I sent some um, uh, so I posted some some of the photos uh, and video as well. And so we uh, just wanted to share that with folks. And again, Rosario Dawson was there. John Legend performed. Uh, Maxwell performed. Uh, Alice Smith and so many others. And of course, they were there uh, to pay homage uh, to Mr. B, Susan Taylor, Sonia Sanchez, Danny Glover. Uh, all of those folks uh, were there participating. Uh, and so we were there to actually document uh, that stuff because, again, when we talk about uh, so many things happen uh, in, in our in our community that never gets the kind of coverage that we think is critically important, uh, and to me that's all that's always uh, awful uh, because when mainstream media is deciding what they think is important, but then those things uh, often happen. And so uh, we're going to do the, uh, so uh, just a little bit. Uh, my man Maxwell performing, and then we're going to close the show. Go to my iPad.
was uh, again a little under six months ago. Mr. B passed away. You know how we always honor him on this show. Of course, uh, that uh, portrait uh, hangs in this studio as a testament to how we feel about him. And so again, uh, we shall appreciate him and his work. Uh, may he rest in peace. Folks, uh, Renita Omakongo, Julian, really appreciate y'all joining us on today's show. Thank you so very much. Folks, uh, y'all want to support us in what we do. Again, the stories that we tell, the things that we remember, uh, doesn't happen uh, without your support. Doesn't happen unless we're there to document these stories and cover these stories. And so your support matters. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing on average 50 bucks each a year. That's $4.19 a month, 13 cents a day. Uh, we don't charge a subscription, but these resources allow us to be able to cover stories like that. I don't have the backing of millionaires and billionaires. I don't have the backing of major networks. This is all independent black-owned media, so your dollars are critically, critically important. Send your check and money orders to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash App, dollar sign RM Unfiltered, PayPal R. Martin Unfiltered, Venmo is RM Unfiltered, Zell, rolling at rollingsmartin.com, rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. Uh, and of course, uh, uh, when you buy uh, my book, uh, White Fear, How the Browning of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds, uh, you also support this show uh, because those dollars uh, come right back into the show. So uh, buy uh, the book uh, on uh, all different platforms. Uh, and so you can download it. You can also buy it as well. Before I go, let me shout out Latasha Brown, Cliff Albright. Uh, they, Cliff had uh, one of these on at the White House for the Juneteenth concert. And he was like, yo, he said, what do you get you your uh, Black Voters Matter dashiki? I was like, nope. So they sent it to me. And so I appreciate that. And so, of course, see what it says, Black Voters Matter on the front. Uh, they got BVM on the sleeves. Uh, then, of course, uh, you have uh, their slogan on, slogan on the back uh, as well. So I appreciate uh, them sending to me. And so thanks a bunch. All right, folks, I'm going to see you tomorrow right here on Rolling Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Ha! Folks, Black Star Network is here. I'm real um, revolutionary right now. Black support this man, Black Media. He makes sure that our stories are told. I thank you for being the voice of Black America, Roller. Hey, I love y'all. All momentum we have now, we have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig?
My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council.